so once I read that, I was like, wow. Now, going back to when I was a kid, going like, landfilling doesn't make any sense. That I was only looking at one stage. You know, you add four <laughs> more stages of damage before you even get to the landfill. And it was like, I couldn't unlearn that. From Alda, this is the Protect Your Wild podcast, a show about founders, athletes, and influencers, and how their passion for the environment leads to the actions and career paths today. I'm Colin Campbell, and this week I'm having a chat with Ryan Lewis, the founder and CEO of Earth Hero, an online marketplace that brings together all of our favorite sustainable brands into one convenient location. Now, if you want to learn more about Earth Hero, be sure to check out their website at earthhero.com or check out our blog post on them at outthelifestyle.com. Uh, and with that, I think you're going to really love this conversation with Ryan. I know I sure did. So enjoy. Ryan, thanks for coming. I appreciate your time here. Thanks, Colin. It's good to be here. <laughs> thanks thanks for inviting me. Sweet. Um, so for those of you who don't know, probably said it in the intro, but this is Ryan Lewis, the founder of Earth Hero. Uh, do you want to give the, the quick spiel, essentially, of, of what Earth Hero is exactly? Yeah, so um, I started Earth Hero to make it easier for people to shop sustainably. We curate the leading brands and products across a huge variety of categories, um, everyday consumer categories, and um, you know vet all those products to make it easier for you to shop that way. We do the work, so yeah. essentially you don't have to. The research behind it all and everything like that. What are some, uh, I guess, quick examples of those brands? Like, what are some of your favorites that you have on right now? Well, we are, um, we're always uploading brands. And, mm-hmm. you know, in that process of meeting brands and uploading them, they all, you know, resonate with me in some form or another. Um, that's why we select them. We've got just over 100 brands right now. But again, that's evolving um, weekly. As far as, like, favorite brands, um, Tentry is, a, is one that comes to mind. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, they... Yeah. Make really um, natural clothing, organic clothing, um, clothing made from recycled content of just a you know good fibers. And every time you buy one of their um, pieces, they plant ten trees, and they give you a token right. that will actually allow you to trace cool. you know where those trees are planted. And uh, and so that's definitely one of my favorite brands. United by Blue is another um, yeah. brand in that category. They instead of planting trees, they pull ocean trash for every piece that's sold. So I like brands that bake in uh doing more good as they grow mm-hmm. so as they again as they scale um it's almost a regenerative type of model right so many uh bees wrap is another one i, I guess i'm yeah i talked i talked to them at the or actually or i talked to uh i guess the daughter of the the person who created it sarah yeah yeah she's really nice um uh yeah and that's an example of she not not the daughter but the you know the mom founder sarah she was a uh um, a mom and she started, mm-hmm. you know, living in, I think New Hampshire, Vermont, somewhere up there. Um, and this was just like a hobby of hers and, uh, using beeswax and as a way to remove the need for aluminum foil or saran wrap. Right. Um, for those that don't know. And I use it every day. I, I t- tend to pack a sandwich. Um, nice. it just, it's one of those it's, it's like a product that works it's, it's like a, a thing that, that does its job and it's like oh sweet and it's better for the environment obviously and i like products that also provide a trigger so yeah. when you're using them it reminds you of why you're doing it and then therefore leads to other decisions like right. decisions um versus you know 
a product that you you know doesn't necessarily um, sort of out of sight, out of mind more, um, not right. as interactive in your daily life. So, but I could go on and on about brands. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, I want to get into you know your life a little bit more. Obviously, um, so what kind of were you like as a kid, and uh, as a kid, what brought you closer to nature? I when I was three years old, I grew up in South Jersey. Um, okay, not generally a very nature um oriented place certainly in comparison to boulder yeah although there's pockets of course everywhere um and i also wasn't you know i didn't come from a very religious family or anything but um i started asking the question all the time did did god make this or did man make this and it was oh interesting you know and i i actually kind of remember that but it recently was brought back up at a family um get together that's funny and I once we had started the conversation, it, it reminded me I was always kind of perplexed at the idea that that this like this planet exists and yeah you know why is there mountains some places and lakes other places and like kind of like trying to figure out how to decode all of that right. because then I see these huge buildings I'm like how does like how do dudes build one thing and then you know the other things are just there yeah. so I think from an early age there was this um <laughs> this deep deep desire to sort of have a better relationship with nature in a way to like try to understand it more. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really necessarily do much with those questions at that point, but I think it just stayed with me. New Jersey was actually, from what I understand, the first state to mandate, um, recycling. So I remember in the eighties when that was happening, that was another thing that like got my attention. Like, why? What is recycling? Yeah, you seem like somebody that's asking why quite a bit, and you know, that, that's probably a trend that of the you know constantly learning and, and getting to uncover more about this stuff as you go on. Well, it just made me. You know, one question led to the other. So if we're recycling, you know, well, first of all, why are they mandating? Why is recycling so important? And where does the stuff go that isn't recycled? You know, right. And right away, like the concept of a landfill at a very early age was like just didn't feel right i'm like i was like huh that seems stupid how how many people are on the planet and that's the best we can do yeah like where where does that end right what i always think of with landfills is like you know we we literally come across essentially conceptually landfills from ancient civilizations because that's how it was done then let's pile the shit up in some area that's not right where we live and then leave it over there. Like And it was all natural back then. Yeah, yeah. And, and then at least they could do, <laughs> Right. Yeah, at least uh, their stuff made a little more sense. And and but as far as the idea goes, it hasn't really evolved a whole ton outside of now we can separate it out a little bit. Um and even that's, you know, pay, Yeah, and we're still have, shipping it off to other countries. <laughs> we're still not handling it internally. And and really just a small a small percentage actually makes it, you know, through right. that process. But yeah. But yeah, it, be, it quickly became sort of maddening to me, just the, the logic of how we're doing all that. Right, absolutely. Did you do any uh, like outdoor sports or things like that that kind of uh, played into it? As a kid, I, so I was in New Jersey until I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up playing baseball and you know recreationally, a bunch of other sports, psych, soccer, hockey, and things like that, but nothing that really put me in nature, so to speak. Um, my parents started skiing when I was 11. So that was really the first time I I started to get out into like real nature. Yeah. Um, and that definitely inspired me at that point to, 
you know, kind of leave suburb, suburban New Jersey or yeah. occasionally the big city, which was Philadelphia, um, and just be in the sprawling, like, open space, which is actually hard in a place like New Jersey and Colorado, you know, where we live. You, you drive a few miles in any direction and you have nothing but land. Yeah, especially Boulder in particular is, you know, I, I like to climb and you go into the canyon and now, you know, I guess there's a road that runs through, but you're, you're kind of... Uh, it's like you in the canyon. It feels cool. You it know? does. And, and a lot of people in this country and the world don't have that access. Right. You know, in New Jersey, you could go to a park, you know, or... Yeah, it's like, well, there's grass here, so enjoy the grass. <laughs> you know, and there's some bigger, like the Pine Barrens. Um, there are some bigger, you know, natural protected areas. Yeah. But it's different because it was a destination and we'd get there, you know, a few times a year. You know, in Boulder, you, you could do it every day, you know. Just yeah, had, that, that's one hundred percent why I came here. Yeah, it's and especially in the you know gun barrel area, being out of even the city of Boulder, there's just bike paths all around here, and you know plenty of opportunities to to just kind of get get a little bit of silence. You know, yeah, it's huge, and I don't think people that have never experienced another life you know way probably do take that for granted. But mm-hmm. um, if you don't know that nature's worth fighting for sometimes it's hard to fight for it yeah i've never really got a chance to experience it right yeah and and yeah hopefully like programs that get especially like urban youth anybody that's growing up in the city and doesn't have those opportunities to get out and expose them to to all the world out there is i think one of the most important things to change the next generation because there there are lots of kids hearing things now at least like in theory and education and whatnot but you got to experience it. If you're going to, if you're going to, I think, love nature and want to do something to protect it, you really got to experience it. Yep. Um, so did you always have like a, an entrepreneurial spirit uh, as a kid? Were there any things that you, you did that might have like <laughs> made you think, you know, maybe I'm going to start a company one day? Yeah, I did. My dad was an entrepreneur. He, yeah, he was an entrepreneur. Um, it's a common so, theme I've seen for sure. People come from entrepreneurs, they, they realize it's an option. Yeah, I stuttered there because I'm like, was he an entrepreneur? Is he an entrepreneur? I sort of like straddling that, you yeah. know, past present thing. He's, you know, he's, he's in his seventies now and, and slowing down. But uh, so I grew up in that environment. Um, my dad never really, you know, projected that on me, but I just observed it. I saw right. that, you know, the creativity and the flexibility and what it did for our family. Um, and you know, I, I had a lot of small businesses, a lot of you know, kid type of ventures or ventures, you know, <laughs> starting with like mowing the lawn and, um, you know, and then in college as I got more, um, a little more savvy, you know, I was doing home movies to, or no, I was, I was doing wedding, uh, slideshows. So mm. when people would get married, um, you know, we put together the, the photo montage before that was like something you could do in your sleep. Right. You yeah. Know, before, I mean, before some more companies got built around making that easier. Right. And actually that, Ironically enough, the only time I was really an employee was at a company that made that software um, that like back in like the, you know, in 2000, when you bought a PC, um, the software that came bundled on your PC to, to be able to make your own DVDs um, mm. was, was basically the software that we were making. And I was there for about two years. I just, I just couldn't really manage my, um, I couldn't get my head around like like the the restrictions that were put on me creative creatively right as an employee um at this you know at this particular company and it was 
I learned a lot. It was a great experience, but I definitely learned that um, I just need to go go out on my own and, yeah, and do something. And, um, so yeah, I think it was at a very early age. I just didn't know it at the time. Right. Yeah. I. I. Uh, in in a lot of these conversations, I've been hearing similar things of like, you know, it, it does like it's like a bug like an itch that certain people just need to scratch of like well i want to do my own thing and there's this opportunity here that these people came to me asking if i could help them out with this and i bet there's others just like them or um then obviously that translates right into what you're doing now with earth here whereas like i i imagine it must have started first of you wanting to change your lifestyle shop sustainably and go what the hell i have to do all this research yeah and all these brands and then get through all these curtains to figure out who's legit and who's kind of just, you know, putting out uh, green propaganda to, to try to bump sales. And, um, it, it is a legitimately kind of, uh, laborious process as a consumer to go through that on your own. Yeah, no, it, almost <clears throat> to the point where it's, you're not going to make it out the other side. It's not, yeah. Most people, it's just not worth doing. It's like, it's at least, and probably in the past decade, it's like the, the hardcore people that really, really care are the ones who are going to do that. Um, and the average consumer is kind of just, you know, left to uh, fend for themselves. <laughs> in a way. No, you're exactly right. It's 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 a real challenge. And, and to your point, that's why, you know, we started Earth Hero and mm-hmm. is to essentially remove that obstacle and that challenge. Yeah. So um, in starting Earth Hero, I guess, what were some of your first things like problems with the environment where you're like you know this is this is some serious stuff that's happening and and i think i'm equipped to be somebody to to make a difference here my my aha moment when it came to that particular question was in costa rica um i was living there with my family for about a year and a half and i came across this book by annie leonard who's now the executive director for greenpeace do you remember the the name of the book by chance i do very clearly it's uh the story of stuff Okay. And it's actually started as a, it's like a 10 minute animation kind of describing the I five distinct. The animation. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So it started that way and then she, she turned it into a book, which is now almost 10 years old. I think there's maybe been a revision, but essentially the whole book is breaks down um, into the fact that the way stuff is made um, and the path that it takes are five distinct stages, you know, starting with extraction, you know, getting them the material from the planet, mm-hmm. um, all the way to end of life, you know, and, then, and in between there's transportation, there's the actual use of the product, there's, um, um, manufacturing of the product. So there's the, all these distinct stages. And she then goes into detail as to the harm that's happening within each of the stages. And it's this linear line, like yeah. every step pull from the earth, basically damage the earth, damage the earth, damage <laughs> the earth, use the product for like it's crazy like 99 percent of stuff that's made is discarded within six months like it's something i might have those numbers slightly off but it's something really crazy where our entire consumption uh paradigm is disposable you know there's very little that's made to last a lifetime um or multiple generations for that matter or come back into the you know, more of a circular, um, path, you know, back into the earth, mm-hmm. you know, composting or upcycling or, you know, some other intended use. So once I read that, I was like, wow, now going back to when I was a kid going like landfilling doesn't make any sense that I was only looking at one stage, you know, you add four <laughs> more stages of damage before you even get to the landfill. And 
it was like I couldn't unlearn that. Just yeah. like, and then a, in addition to being down in Costa Rica, which is known for you know its green initiatives and all, all the you know front pioneering stuff they're doing down there, um, the reality is is I was you know I was spending time in the ocean, uh, surfing and you know on the beaches and just like the stories you hear you know you'd be trash dodging water, trash so. and and stuff would wash up in the morning and it was just again it was this echo chamber of what how i can't not help. you can't ignore it at that point when it's like, in your physical life it's it's hard to to like it, yeah just hard to ignore at that point <laughs> no and at that stage i was looking to start something i had yeah. kind of moved i moved on from my last business and um, taking sort of an intentional time to, to figure it out so that once, you know, once I went through that experience and my past company was from a model standpoint, distribution, e-commerce, um, you know, digital marketing, that type of thing. I, I, I had all that, um, from my last company. So it was just kind of swapping products and markets, uh, which gave me the confidence of like, I think I can actually get my head around what it would take you know, to start this thing. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, uh, brought you and your family to Costa Rica in the first place? Um, it was, it was a combination of several things. I was looking to move, sell my company that I was currently at to, and the reason for that was, um, I, I wanted to do something that was more connected to who I was or, or am, right. um, and, and really help, um, society more directly. Um, that company was servicing restaurants, which was fine, but I had done that for about 11 years and was ready to move on. Uh, the other thing is my kids were, I've got, I had two boys that were, I have two boys, but at the time they were, I want to say eight and 10. So it was a good time in their life to do something like that. I wanted to kind of get them out of the Boulder bubble and experience life outside of not only Boulder, but you know, the States and this culture, Yeah. um, and expose them to a second language you know, cool. and, and, uh, and I wanted to learn Spanish as well. Um, did it work? So, uh, <laughs> it worked actually. Were you surfing too much? You're like, ah, I'll do the Spanish lessons later. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, you know, in the lineup, you kind of, you get to do both at the same time and it's not always, it's not always pretty, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, um, a great experience. I did pick up enough Spanish to feel comfortable now, um, hacking my way through it. Nice. I actually took classes for a good portion of it and try to take it seriously. And, um, so yeah, just kind of a combination of things And Costa Rica itself was part of it too. Uh, they, you know, it's close to the States, easy to get back, right. Um, to visit and they had a great school down there. That, oh, okay. That cool. really resonated with my wife and I. And so it was like an international school kind of thing or it was, it was, um, it is an international school. It was classes were kind of divided. It was only 50, 50% Spanish, 50% English. They would teach some classes completely. And then pretty diverse as well, I'd imagine. Super diverse. Yeah, and actually which you they... don't really get in Boulder a whole lot. It's a weird part when I moved here. I was like, this is kind of a lot of the same type of dude here. Everybody loves the outdoors. It's like all, you know, a bunch of upper middle class white folks, basically. It's kind of weird. But... Yeah. No, it was um, it was definitely more diverse. And, yeah. you know, it's been, it was, it was a great experience. But if there's one thing I learned, it's, the strength of the Boulder community and just, I guess I value community more after that experience because while Costa Rica had a good community, it wasn't, it wasn't as intentionally tight as Mm. I think I was used to. Um, 
and now having returned here, uh, you know, I, I feel that for sure. You know, it's a pretty special, it's a sp- pretty special place, um, full of intention. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, yeah. that can be very contagious. That is a, a good point about something that makes it pretty unique here. There are a lot of people trying to do good things or just achievers, I guess, you know, even lots of professional athletes here as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I mean, it, that is a similar story, I guess we hear often as well of like, it's either Bali or Costa Rica. I've heard both of those specific places that people have gone to where they're affected by their experiences there and it, it and it fundamentally changed the course of their life so sounds like i need to to go there and see see what's up it's interesting you say that because we almost moved to bali oh really um, and, and the reason yeah. is there's a school there called the green school um, oh, okay it's almost entirely made out of bamboo and those guys are just doing incredible things nice. um the curriculum and around you know teaching kids how to be global citizens and you know, make the world a better place through environmental practices and just cultural acceptance. It's an amazing school. Um, and we were convinced to go until we made that, you know, after we made that decision, we stumbled across Costa Rica um, in a, not looking to move there, um, just, yeah. just to kind of a quick getaway and, uh, and, and found that school in Costa Rica. And then, nice. Yeah, we kind of pivoted, but That's you should cool. go there. It's, it's a great Yeah, it's a great I'm, I'm very interested. I, I was thinking on doing my next trip trying to do like Argentina or something or definitely get uh somewhere in in South America is what I was aiming for but now I've, I've just heard Costa Rica and Bali specifically mentioned so much it's like you know maybe I should bump it up on my list a bit and get out there sooner than later <laughs> yeah there's there's a big world uh yeah you know it's just fortunately we get a few more you know we have some time to get around yeah yeah absolutely um Okay, so sorry, I had to switch it to time there. And what are uh, I'm I'm gonna do real quick, basically kind of like a rapid fire questions kind of thing. So I got like a good mix of you know some some insightful questions, but some silly things. So uh, okay, hopefully your game. Um, so the first one, uh, would you rather sleep in a tent or in an RV? I've done both. You've done both. Okay. Uh, I'd rather sleep in a tent. Okay, I like that. But the that. RV definitely has its place. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, so what are uh, three words you'd kind of use to describe yourself now versus three words when you were a kid? Well, when I was a kid, I was impulsive, uh, pretty selfish, like I think looking back. Um, and, oh, uh, let's see. Um I think, uh, God, going back that far is, is, is tough, tough right? yeah. you know, I had a little bit of mischievousness in me too. Okay. I, I, I'd find trouble more than I think my parents <laughs> wanted me to. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, f- fortunately nothing that carried over into my adulthood, but I think, you know, at this point in my life, I like to con- consider myself adventurous, um, spontaneous and intentional. Yeah. Nice. I like that. I mean, it's, yeah, everybody has those big developments and especially people that kind of 
constantly ask why i think that's a big part as you learn you learn more about yourself too for sure um, i was i was like a bully when i was a little like little little preschool kid and then you know just one day you grow up a little bit and you realize that's a shitty thing to do and yeah i had a really hard time thinking outside myself i mean which yeah, i guess is exactly. the definition of selfish but i wasn't <clears throat> doing it because i thought it like gave me an advantage it was just like a unconscious thing right it's kind of part immaturity obviously of just being a kid and being in your own world exactly in your own head and yeah um <laughs> so uh what do you think would win in a fight between an ostrich or a koala bear wow ostriches have always scared me they're just yeah. massive birds they're intimidating i i don't feel yep. like they could have a, a pretty vicious pecking kind of action and the you know? cl- yeah, they got those claws yeah you know, they got the height advantage i'm gonna go ostrich okay yeah. or if it was like two koalas do you think two could take them down i've really like never seen it back a... <laughs> yeah i don't know i koalas have always been kind of cute to me i don't even know they're actually like i don't know... think they're vicious i definitely don't think they're an attacker but you know <laughs> yeah I, and that just might be like a fairy tale in my mind you know yeah. maybe they're just really extremely predatory uh but i don't think two of I, I just, I don't know, ostriches, they look really I, I, mean I think me. ostrich could throw down, to be honest, yeah. yeah. I think I'm with you there. Um, so if you could have a brunch with two people, one living and one dead at the same time, so it's like a you know three-person brunch here, uh, who would they be? <sighs> Got to think how they might interact, too. That's another interesting element of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve Jobs comes to mind. Okay. Um, you know, I guess I'm limiting it to some of my, uh, you know, business mentors, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Um, you know, Steve certainly had his, you know. A lot of, there are two sides, kind of the, the innovator and then the, the, the manager. cracker. Yeah. But I think, you know, maybe, you know, Steve and say, uh, like in Yvonne Chavard, Chenard, I mean, mm-hmm. um, from founder of Patagonia would be be a fun conversation that would be a fun conversation that would be cool yeah the life that that guy's lived jeez i had the opportunity to meet him uh, about a month ago really i didn't have lunch with him but you know he's absolutely you know just a unbelievable Still pretty with it right and oh for sure you know shoulders. he's fighting harder than ever you yeah. know for for what he believes is right um for the planet and you know i got the opportunity to see him speak and uh yeah he's he's been a, a superhero when it comes to what he's been able to accomplish so yeah yeah and his, just, and his personal and professional it's mind-blowing to me that like what he's been able to achieve from his like climbing standpoint the adventures he's had and then somehow growing like a con like to do one or the other is a lifetime's worth of stuff for uh, most people but yeah he, he's uh he's definitely something else yeah agreed yeah so yvonne chenard and steve jobs that would be interesting um, what do you think is, is kind of your next important milestone with Earth Hero? I think we need to get to a point where, you know, we've got, um, a, a, a complete assortment of products. So when people hit the you know site, they find what they're looking for on a more consistent basis. It's going to take time. You know, we've got about 3000 products on the site today, <coughs> but, um, I think once we get to about that 10,000 mark, um, based on, you know, what we've been able to kind of carve out, we think that that'll sort of come together quite naturally. And there'll be a tipping point where, you know, we, at that milestone, I'm hoping that, um, we've got a core group of customers that really depend on us for their shopping. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, when you cover everything like that too, now you don't have to basically, excuse me, you can, you can actually do like price comparisons and look at competitors in the environmental space within, you know, this marketplace. That's where, right. As opposed to uh, playing the game of, you know, going to Amazon or saying, I've seen this, now let me see, you know, maybe the less environmentally friendly options out there and now you're, so you can compare basically, get options within the uh, environmentally friendly space too. Um, and lastly, uh, what animal do you think you're most similar to and, and why? Hmm. You, you know, I've been asked this question before. I, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't have an official spirit animal. Okay. I'm, I'm still looking and searching. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I necessarily do either, to be honest. It'd be like some weird hybrid of uh, <laughs> just mishmash different aspects of some different animals together. I, I think being like a real, like a, like an eagle, you know? Yeah. I, I like the idea of being able to fly. Yeah, and being on the top of the food chain, not having to worry about <laughs> getting wrecked by another eagle. I've or, always uh, been inspired by like you know being able to see you know visibility, mm. um, long range vision. Um, so to have that type of visibility seems attractive too. For sure, yeah, um, yeah. I, I got asked in an interview once about uh, what kind of kitchen utensil you would be, and I'd thought about you know I've thought about animals before. I've thought about other things, and I know more about other things, I think, than kitchen utensils. So which so pick? I, I did a, what did I say? Um, a whisk, because I, I said I was like, I'm, I think I'm good at working with a lot of ingredients, blending things together. Mm. and you know, Yeah, and I was like, damn, I nailed that shit. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty proud of myself. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh yeah, hopefully, you know, it's good to know that uh, you acknowledge the viciousness of the ostrich and, uh, you know, like tents. So important stuff we're, we're discussing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's critical. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but to dive more into to Earth here, I guess the, the, you know, reason that you're here and then want to promote. Um, uh, who, I, I guess, were, were some of your... Uh, biggest supporters going through this process. Obviously, as a founder, it's it's really taxing on yourself and and you know your family, anybody that's around you, because it it's a very involved thing. Like I came from a family business too, and it, it kind of pulls everybody into it in one way or another. Um, so, who are kind of some of your biggest supporters coming up? My dad was a huge mentor and is a huge mentor. Uh, he had started. Um, a couple businesses so and we have we we had the opportunity to work together at one of them and um you know he, he was a, a huge help i also people i've worked with in the past you know some of my um my, my past team when i was starting this uh was very uh willing to jump in and help and nice uh you know to help get some of the early relationships going just to get the thing off the ground uh, my wife is amazing. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's just, to your point, like you can't compartmentalize starting a business and then go home and have that not exist. Yeah. You, you can't, know? So there's yeah, a lot you can't of, completely just shut it off and be like, all right, family time. And yeah, it, it always kind of will interplay. And that sounds sure. cliche too, but it's so true. Um, you know, you have to have strong relationships to, to come out of this alive and to be supported along the way. And then, um, the, I go back to community. I mean, being in 
in Boulder, um, everybody for the most part wants to help, you know, so whether you, you meet someone that knows someone or, you know, with introductions or, um, even more formal networking events, it's amazing the amount of hands that have been extended to us, um, each, each and every day in some ways, it's just, it's been a, a wonderful thing to be a part of. Um, and then finally, of course, you know, even though they're on the payroll, um, our, our team is, uh, phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. we've, you know, everyone that's, uh, joined us is, is, um, just a huge contributor. Uh, we all have, you know, very passionate minds and, um, it, you know, building a company from scratch is really messy. So you've got to have, uh, a team that's willing to embrace the thrash and help you through it. Yeah. And, and when they all are kind of share the why you know behind it another cliche right let's see how many we can throw out there but (laughs) when they share that that passion like you said um and and are able to specialize in in whatever their strengths are it it definitely it's a great thing to bring teams together um yeah and, and to your point about family business that's i grew up in that same kind of environment and uh you know when We'd have a big order come in. I was packing boxes as, you know, an eight-year-old or something. I was helping tape up boxes and stuff. Um, so it, I, I think, will have ultimately a positive impact on your kids as long as it's not something that dominates their life or that, you know, ends up creating too many sacrifices, you know, yeah. for the for the company as opposed to for them. Um, and uh, the next thing is, is competing in this age of Amazon. Um, obviously I think people just shop differently now, right? Like most people, including myself being guilty of it a lot of times, the default when you're looking for something is like pull up Amazon and then search. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, what, what do you kind of do to, to try to compete? Also, Amazon. Like your style issues. Sorry, I just noticed that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. We talked to Guy in in uh, an earlier episode that we did. They're pretty sweet. I got a, my next pairs. I think I'm going there. Well, you can get them on Earth Hero. So. Perfect. No, yeah. it's a uh, yeah. They're a great brand. Um, yeah. So, Amazon has redefined what shopping means by making it convenient, uh, fast, and. Um, and cheap to some extent. I think that the, the pricing is an evolving thing that's going on because I think when Amazon 10 years ago, it was sort of known for undercutting retailers and um, and all that. I feel like that's sort of been neutralized to some extent, um, but different topic. So how do we compete? Um, I don't really view it as competing with Amazon. That would be, uh, I think... Uh, you know, challenge to really, sure. to, to yeah, view it, yeah. you know, to really try to c- compete. But I think we, we just sort of carve out our own way of, of doing things based on what we think people are ready for, um, or, or need, you know, and, and I guess some tactical things, um, that are different with earth hero versus Amazon or that, um, all of our shipments are carbon neutral, and company's awesome. carbon neutral. So when you buy from Earth Hero, you're not adding carbon to the planet. Um, and we do that through carbonfund.org. Okay. We're also B Corp certified, um, meaning right. that all of our operations and business practices have been vetted and, um, and certified by B Corp. And for, for, for anyone that doesn't know who they are, 
um, basically they're certifying companies that are, that are using business as a force for good. And it took us over a year to get through that process. So it's, it's very intensive. We're also members of 1% for the planet. So every time you buy from earth hero, um, a minimum of 1% of your purchase is going directly back towards nonprofits that are doing good. Right. And similarly, a lot of your brands that you carry also 1% for the planet, also B Corps, right? That's right. So yeah, in the case of like we were talking earlier with Tentry or, or United by Blue, like you're doing double good because we're buying from them. So that's kind of creating, um, it's triggering their good. And then, right. you, you know, you're, you're just, but when you're buying from us, you're triggering another purchase we need to make from them. And then we're also doing good. So you, yeah, you're sort of like, you know, it's an exponential type of, um, you know, situation where as all these companies and Earth Hero scale, it's like doing more good is baked into that, that growth. Um, we also have like real people you can talk to, you know, you, you can pick <laughs> yeah, the phone true. and call us, um, you know, you can communicate with us through email and live chat and you can come see us in person. We're real people that have real conversations that are fully vested in our mission. Yeah. You know, there's an authenticity to Earth Hero that, you know, Amazon is, is, is mechanized and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, you know, it's different in terms yeah. of what Earth Hero is providing. Um, we, you know, we talked about the fact that we're vetting every single product. So, you know, when you do make purchases, you know that good is happening. Yeah. Um, if you want the detail in that, we provide it on every product page. We've got over a hundred logos that we've mapped to every product. That that and was one of the things when I first saw. I was like, damn, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, we want to make it really clear as to yeah. why these products are eco-friendly because there's confusion around that. Um, you know, and I think we also lead with our brands. So, you know, it's not necessarily just products. Uh, every every brand has a story with videos and and photos and and basically like why we choose them and why we think what they're doing is good. Um, tons of content on our site. You know, so we really want to make it more of an emotional lifestyle experience versus I, I need to buy a thing. Right. And that's really the, you know, it come at the end of the day, it boils down to shopping this way is more about a lifestyle than it is about healing the planet. You know, that happens through mindful shopping, but, you know, we like to think that we're representing a paradigm shift towards, um, mindless consumption to, you know, mindful consumption mm -hmm. and it empowers people to feel like, and to know that they're part of that solution and that change when you're kind of out there on your own, just sourcing for yourself. Um, that may work, you know, for some people, but you know, for others, it, it can start to feel more hollow and less connected. And, you know, again, it comes back to how many, how, how many news stories or headlines can you read about what's happening and then shut it down and pretend and go on to your norm, you know, quote unquote normal yeah, routines. Overwhelming amounts of guilt <laughs> a lot with a lot of people, you know, and, and myself included shopping. It's like eh, almost anything you buy, if it isn't something that's, you know, directly from a brain that you've vetted and stuff, it, it there's a big guilt aspect that that's associated with it. That's helping curb the behavior. Well, and then, you know, the opposite of that is, um, you know, we've, we've been around for almost two years now. So we're starting to, you know, I'm starting to run into people act, like have actually heard of us and, you know, experienced us and, and, you know, the experience is, is quite rewarding because people light up like, Oh, cool. Earth hero. Like, I don't think that Amazon's provoking that same reaction. 
And, no. I, and I think what's happening there is it's not Earth Hero. It's the fact that they feel good about their contribution, regardless of who and how. They, right. But that there's there was a natural pivot that took place. They activated on thing, that guilt um, on some level, and it feels good. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that people like to feel good. Yeah. And, and yeah. And yet Amazon's the one to smile on their thing. <laughs> so inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think Amazon has its purpose. Um, and, they, you know, it's, they're, they're not, it's not an all bad or an all good thing. But I, th- I think what they've done is cr- created a need for, for alternatives. Yeah. You know, for, I, for certain people. I got an idea for you guys. I think, um, like Amazon, you should start investing in a streaming service for just nature documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you know, we've actually talked about, um, when it comes to like content, content, you know, movies, books, yeah. um, doing just that, like we do with products, you know, doing that, um, hundred percent, but you know, I need, we need some help. <laughs> oh yeah. We're not in the streaming business oh, yet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I don't know. Two, two years down the you line. Gotta have be long, there, right? You gotta have long range plans, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing, obviously, uh, with capitalism, the interaction in general of capitalism, and uh the environment is this is kind of like a a big conversation that's happening now and and uh at the outdoor retailer there's the the climate neutral panel that they they kind of started diving into this quite a bit and i think it's for for any company you know something to to be considered of but i just want to kind of ask what your views are on how you know a capitalist economy can can balance itself out with uh the idea of sustainability and you know yeah it's a big topic and at the end of the day consumers really drive be be a lot of that behavior you know the the end of the day close to 70 percent of the total gdp you know the total amount of dollars spent in this country comes from consumers so consumers are going to buy um, from companies doing good because they figure that out or over time policy makes it so they d- don't have a choice in the matter. You know, right. we don't sell lead paint anymore, for example. Right, right. So I think, you know, that example, um, the policy part of it comes, but not until the consumer demand is there. And politicians aren't going to support any policy that's got less than 50% support. Or they're not going to get elected, right? And so, theory, yeah. <laughs> in theory, right? Yeah, I mean, so, but the problem is if, if a movement is important but small, like I think the sustainability movement, um, and we're definitely now, it's growing, and you're starting to see the policies kick in where, you know, I mean, municipalities are saying, you can't buy this product anymore in our, in our city, you know, the plastic bag bans and straw bans and things like that. But um, the, the summary, my summary response to that is it's a combination of things. It's not, there's no silver bullet. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be demand to want different than what we have today in terms of capitalism. Um, and things like B Corp, you know, are popping up to give consumers a better, more clarity around what doing good is. There's, you know, there's certainly, there's companies like Earth Hero or plenty of others, you know, out there that are curating quote unquote good to make it easier for consumers. Uh, and I think, you know, flash forward 20, 50 years from now, um, social capitalism is going to be the, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, you know, a business has a toll-free number. 
right? Like right. that's so dated. It's like, okay. You know, that used to mean something, right? Maybe yeah. I'm dating myself now, but um, but like, of course, you can call a company and and not get charged for it, <laughs> right, right? Right. And I think we're going to get to that point with businesses, where of course a business is doing that's good. The new standard. Like, why would you know nobody would they wouldn't be successful? Nobody would buy from them if if they weren't. Um, yeah. Just like nobody would call a business if 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 you got charged. So I think we're going that direction. It's up to the entrepreneurs um, to create to make it easier for consumers to make that transition. Um, but in the process, in the background, holistically, I think everyone at this point is thinking about um, on some level how how are we going to get out of this mess? So right. there's this open mind on some level. Um, you know, that that's going to allow for that change to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what, so, so I guess that the focal point that is, you know, consumer driven, right. What, uh, challenges do you think, you know, these massive companies that are already here, uh, going to have in making those transitions to try to like catch up? I think, uh, just to expand on that a little, I want to point out like in the shoe industry, for example, right. Uh, you do see there's a couple like select, uh, models with say Adidas, right. Uh, that are incorporating recycled plastic and making an effort. But then you have companies like Sala that are being a lot more innovative and, and, you know, coming out like branching out and, and kind of investing like wholeheartedly into this. So, um, yeah, I guess what, what are those challenges of the, the big companies that are already here, uh, gonna have? I think we've seen this played out in food. If you look oh, at the organic food movement, um, yeah. you know, Coca-Cola, for example, like they don't make the healthiest product. I think we'd all agree. So, you know, a company like that um, got into that or basically transitioned by buying up the, you know, the startups that were making healthier products, the juices and the, the waters mm-hmm. and that type of thing. And I imagine, um, but you know, in other cases, uh, like Adidas, I think is a good example. They'll have like their own innovator lab, you know, startup within a startup type of thing. Right. Um, and, and, and I think both models exist and you can do both at the same time. But at the end of the day, a lot of, there's a lot of innovation going on, like you said, um, from companies that nobody's heard of. And a lot of these, the ones that make it are going to sell to bigger, more established companies. Yeah. I guess part of my worry is in that process of buying out these, these kind of uh, up and coming brands that then they'll get plugged into, you know, this massive bureaucracy of a company and then you might have a drop off in, in quality or something because of trying to cut costs. Like five ten got bought up by Adidas and then immediately five tens to climbing shoes just went to shit. Yeah. And you're going to, you know, there's no perfect formula. I think you'll see both sides. I, I, I like hearing stories. Um, for some reason, the, the Campbell soup, um, oh, nice. Story comes to mind where they bought. Those are my people. Campbell um, last name. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, um, they bought a. I can't. It was a baby, uh, a baby food or a kid snack company. Um, huh. I'm forgetting the name. But what's cool is this company was doing food right. Um, the CEO of Campbell, you know, was obviously a part of that acquisition. Immediately sat down with the CEO of the company they just bought, and Campbell Soup made a big ton of changes as a result of learning from oh, I like the that. innovators yeah. about, you know, better ways to do things and, and really just 
proactively try to indoctrinate a lot of that into their culture. So there's, um, you know, one of the brands that comes to mind that we currently stock. Here's a perfect example. Uh, L'Oreal, um, mm-hmm. huge like hair care brand, right? They had a, 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 an employee that wanted to go out and start their own hair care brand, but from with a compostable um, container and and all this stuff. They worked out a way to say, you know what? Stay with us. Let's just do a different brand within L'Oreal. Go out and make it happen. And as we speak, like they're using that as sort of their innovation lab to hopefully cool. backtrack, you know, back funnel some of what they learn into, you know, their huge global, you know, they're like a multi-billion dollar company. Right. Um, That's pretty cool. So I see, but, but, you know, to your point, it can you know, go both, it can ways, go both ways, sure. but I think the more, the deeper and deeper we get into this movement, it's going to become harder and harder to like just do spreadsheet analysis and cost cutting to uh to make that ac- those acquisitions work right right so yeah, i'm, I'm an optimist real, like, when it comes to when it comes to that yeah that's cool yeah and i, I those are some some insightful examples that I, I didn't know about personally but i appreciate your thoughts on that that's yeah uh what we'll kind of be watching <laughs> over the next few years how it plays out um so to to close it out here there's a couple questions i, I just like to to ask everybody and get different takes on. Um, so feel free to think outside of the box a little bit. Yeah. But uh, the first one is how would you go about explaining sustainability to a toddler or, or how do you go about kind of indoctrinating your own kids with those ideas? I think it just comes down to with every interaction you have in your daily life, is it harming the planet or the people on the planet or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it is a broad topic, but it's literally like, think of, you know, as you walk from your morning until evening, you know, you're buying things, you're using things, you're, um, you know, you're interacting with things and to, to, to develop a mindset around how is, how is my behavior impacting the planet? Um, asking the question is 90% of the effort Yeah, because human behavior will naturally, I think, take care of making sure the answer is a good one um, over time. Right. You know, you, you can't unlearn uh, that thinking. And when you are thinking that way and the answer is not what you want, even if you don't change that moment, oh, you know, as you live your life, it's you're going to get better and better over time. Right. It's like what is it, the cognitive dissonance or whatever between what your actions might be and then when you are asking those questions and you know the answer is, well, I should be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah, eventually and, you start to mold yourself. No, for <clears> sure. <throat> and, you know, I this is very real for me because I, I do have kids and um, it, you can't force feed them, but at the same time, um, I think the responsible thing to do now, especially for the, you know, for kids today is like they, they, they shouldn't be ignoring what's happening because... <laughs> right you know, it's unfortunate for them, but we're not leaving them in a great situation. Yeah. So it's not something that, you know, they'll have the luxury to ignore. So you might as well arm yourself a little bit. Yeah. Just accept what, what needs to be done, you know, right away. And then you can help hopefully be a part of the change. Right. Cool. Um, so what do you, in your own lifestyle, what do you think is, is one of, uh, your biggest weaknesses and sustainability and areas you could improve? I love to travel. 
And yeah, that's a tough one though. <laughs> I, I do my best when I travel. You know, I take my, I always have a water bottle and a coffee mug. Yeah. You know, so I, I, you know, and I do, I do what I can, but I know, um, that there's just, it, it's just not a sustainable thing to do. But at the same right. time, uh, I travel for inspiration and, and, um, it's, it's something that I do think about. Um, oh, but yeah. you know, at the same time, uh, I, I'm not, I, I can't not travel, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it is a, there is a, you know, and that, that it's a good question because we all know there is no perfect lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And it's not about white knuckling this human experience. You know, right. you have to pick your poison, so to speak. But again, if you're mindful of it, like you're going to do the best job you can. Yeah. And that's one of the things I always come back to because I just like to point out that even the most, even those conscious people, um, have, have areas where it's like, yeah, you do have to kind of live your life. And there are certain experiences, especially with traveling that change you fundamentally and who you are. And, um, it's, it's hard to really put a value on that. And there are, you know, you still have to do your best in certain ways, but to anybody that's maybe not as deep into sustainability, don't be discouraged if you feel like, you know, there's, there's just too much ground you'd have to make up, you know, it's just taking steps at a time. Um, and, and on that note, I guess, what are, what are, what's like one of those steps that you'd, you'd immediately recommend, um, somebody to, to take it to be more sustainable, to, right. To be more sustainable. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's a question that, that gets asked a lot. And I think mm-hmm. that the, the, the best step you can take if you're just getting started is to think about the things that you use one time and throw away, uh, especially if it's part of your daily routine. You know, if you're a, a daily Starbucks guy or girl, um, bring your own coffee mug. And if that sounds inconvenient, then just Suck sit with it up. <laughs> sit, sit with that for a few minutes. Yeah. Sit with yeah. that for a few minutes and just envision all the coffee cups that you're putting in the landfill that'll never degrade. You know, it's like right. um again even if you feel like, well, I can't, I, it's still too inconvenient. Well, then fine. Keep, keep doing your one-time use. At some point, you're going to have this epiphany. Mm-hmm. That's trust me, it's not that big a deal. You know, you, you'll survive. I think things like um, Ziploc bags for like lunches, if you know school lunches. Um, if you are that person that uses a straw with every day um, or gets a smoothie, you know, there's. Right, the you know, single-use ones across the board. Across the K the cups. Board. That's one that annoyed me when the K cups thing blew up. I was like, "What the hell? Yeah, Is that coffee is that hard to make?" That <laughs> like, being said, we do sell a a box through it's uh, through TerraCycle. That, oh, nice. That you can recycle those K cups. There you go. So if you're, you know, if your office is doing it, or you know, you have a friend that's just breaking breaking the rules, um, it's a good gift. Yeah. And also, it's a yeah. Great, Slide to your roommate you, that that's buying those K cups. Yeah. Give him a give him a wink. <laughs> And there's, there's, in fact, I have a, an espresso machine at home that doesn't use K-cups. It grinds the beans um, nice. fresh. It's zero waste, and the coffee's fresher. So there's really no reason to use those. But right. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I do the uh, the French press myself. It's it's an easy one. Use the same glass thing over and over and over, and yeah, works great. And but yeah, I say you know remove <clears throat> the single use items and also start look start paying attention to like trying to create trigger points when you throw stuff away. You know, what, what are you releasing into the trash can? And is there an alternative to that? Mm. 
yeah, um, one strategy that I, I like to tell people, if if there is, like, taking this Starbucks, for example, right, take, uh, you know, just one of your trash bags, keep it in your car, keep it somewhere, and every time you drink or have your Starbucks, throw it away in the same bag. So you see it all together, and you see how it'll pile up, and how quickly that bag will fill itself. It'll blow you away. And, and that will usually trigger your mind and be like, okay, it might be slightly inconvenient to bring my cup, but I, I did not even you know realize how, how much waste I was actually creating just in this one habit. Yeah, I'm, I'm naturally a minimalist, so I don't like to accumulate anything, whether it's a straw or a, a new bike, really. I, uh, well, a new bike might be nice for, for a little while, but yeah. I just, you know, I am of the mindset that if you just t- like take less stuff into your life, it's, you're going to live lighter, you're going to be freer, you're going to have more dollars in your bank account, um, and the planet's going to be a healthier place. Absolutely. And uh, with that, I guess, are, th- are there any kind of last notes or messages you might want to put out there to the world? I'm an optimist. I think that I have faith that um, we will get ourselves out of this mess. But if you're at that point in your life where you haven't really activated yet, but you know this topic resonates with you, um, just start. Yeah, just I like start. It. Just start. Just start. Perfect. Um, and with that, thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate your time. Um, and I, I hope some people got some great stuff out of this. And we'll obviously go check out Earth Hero at EarthHero.com, spelled how you think it's spelled. And uh, check them out on Instagram at Shop Earth Hero. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Colin. Thanks. And remember, protect your wild. Thanks again, y'all, for listening to yet another interview. I really do hope you go and check out Earth Hero. You'll discover a ton of the brands on their website that we've been talking to on these podcasts, actually. Um, So remember, if you can, please subscribe. Please leave a review. It's the best thing you can do to help us grow this thing and continue to have some awesome conversations. So appreciate you guys and uh, catch you next week.